So a few years ago, and it actually might predate some of you, a book was released and later became a movie called The Da Vinci Code. Anyone ever heard of it? Okay, so this was a big deal in the Christian community, not because it was uh, a great book, but because it said some rather scandalous things about the faith. Um, not only did it claim that Jesus was just a good moral teacher, I mean, that's kind of run-of-the-mill at this point, but they also claimed that the church had rewritten history, and they had shaped Jesus and the Bible to say what they wanted it to say. In other words, the church was suppressing the truth rather than teaching it, and they were using the Bible to do it. And the underlying message was quite clear. You can't trust the Bible. Now, perhaps you aren't as antagonistic as the characters in that novel were, but maybe you've been asked that question before. Why do you read that old book? You can't trust what it says. Or maybe, maybe you have thought that yourself. Can I really trust the Bible? Are, are there parts missing from it? I mean, wh- what do we do about these Gospels of Thomas, Judas Iscariot, and Mary Magdalene? Sh- should they be part of the Bible, too? And so tonight, we're going to talk about the trustworthiness of the Bible. Now, there are a lot of different directions we can go with this question, and we don't have time to go to all of them tonight. So I'm going to focus in on the historical reliability of Scripture, that the Bible we have is the Bible God intended to give us. But if I don't answer your question, that's okay. Bring it up in small group or come find me later. I'd love to talk to you about it. But to start off, we really need to just establish what the Bible is. Now, the word Bible simply means book, but we must not make the mistake of thinking that the Bible is just another book uh, on the shelf with a bunch of other great works of literature. Uh, Here's how the Bible describes itself in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out. It comes from the mouth of God. Now, uh, some critics will say, well, Paul's talking about the Old Testament. He doesn't actually think that his, his writings are inspired. And that might be true, uh, but, but Peter does. So at the end of Second Peter, this is what, what he says. Uh, Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. You know, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Now, just an aside, I love that Peter says Paul is hard to understand. I, that is a great encouragement to me whenever I struggle to understand scripture. Even Peter had difficulty understanding Paul at times. But what I actually want you to catch is this last line, right? He compares Paul's writings to the other scriptures, right? He elevates it to the same level as scripture. Uh, and so all scripture is breathed out by God. And there's a fancy term for that. It's called Verbal, plenary, inspiration. And it's important enough we're going to break it down. So inspiration. How many of you have Pinterest or have seen Pinterest? You have been inspired then, am I right? Because you'll be scrolling through, you know, and you realize you, you see this dessert that you've never seen before, and you become hungry, right? You are inspired to eat this food, and that idea, it didn't come from you. It came from outside of you, from that post, right? Well, well Scripture 
is inspired. And, and what we mean by that is the, the writers of Scripture were inspired. The ideas and message came from outside the writers from God. So it, it, it's inspired, and, and, and then the verbal part is simply defining the scope, right? It's, it's not just the thoughts. It's the very words of Scripture. All Scripture, all the words of Scripture, including like the weird census stuff and like numbers, yeah, all of that comes from God, which means it's plenary, uh, authoritative, or absolute. And so when we put those things together, this is what we're saying. All Scripture comes from God, is without error, and all of it is authoritative for the lives of believers. Now, here's what that doesn't mean, though. It doesn't mean that God simply dictated Scripture and people wrote it down. Uh, there was a r unique relationship that the Holy Spirit had with the writers of Scripture. Here's how Peter explains it in 2 Peter 1, 20-21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's what this is saying. The writers of Scripture didn't sit down and say, hmm, what do I want to be included in Scripture today? Uh, the, the Holy Spirit empowered and guided the writers of Scripture to say everything that God wanted them to say while using their unique writing styles and abilities to do so. That's why when you, you read through the Bible, you see different styles and forms, but one unified message without error. And the point I'm trying to make so far is, is simply this, that the Bible is much more than a book. It is God's written word to his people. It, it details to us how we can live in right relationship with God and with others, and it is absolutely authoritative in our lives. But the question still remains, well, do we have that today? Oh, sure, it was inspired whenever it was written, but, but what about the Bible we have today, 2,000 years later? Can we trust that? Are we missing some revelation from God because certain books are not part of the Bible? And so we have to talk about how we, we got the Bible. How do we, have, how do we get the Bible that we have today? Now, most of, th of this debate is over the New Testament books uh, and these missing Gospels. So that's what we're going to focus on. Uh, so the books that make up the New Testament were written between 35 A.D. and like 85, 90, 100 A.D. Um, but it wasn't for another 300 or so years until the Bible was put together uh, at a large gathering of church leaders called the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. Now that sounds bad to us, right? Uh, a group of guys got together and they decided what books, of the, uh, what letters they liked and decided that was going to be the Bible for the rest of time. But that's not actually what happened. They gathered together and they looked at which letters were inspired by God. And here's how they determined this. Was it written or commissioned by an apostle? Was it consistent with the already revealed character and will of God? Was it universally used by the church? So let's flesh those out. Was it written or commissioned by an apostle? And when they used this term apostle, it was a rather tight bunch uh, to be counted among the apostles, you had to have been an eyewitness to Christ's resurrection or you had to be commissioned by Christ himself. Uh, which meant that, that this was one of Jesus' 11 disciples 
or like James, the half-brother of Jesus, or Paul. Very short list. Uh, And the reason this was so important to them was because they were looking for the writings that would have been directly handed down from the people commissioned to take the gospel to all the nations. That's test one. Test two was whether it was consistent with what was already known to be revealed from God. Since God is the one who inspired Scripture, if he doesn't change, Scripture should be consistent about what it says about him. And so if there were inconsistencies about God's character, his expressed will, Jesus, or the gospel itself, that would call the letter into question. And finally, they would look at uh, whether the letter was universally or near universally used by the church at large. In other words, they weren't looking for a, a private letter that only had a little bit of circulation in a small town. They were looking for letters that were widely circulated and therefore vetted and were being used by God to grow his church. And the 27 books that we have that make up the New Testament passed the test. Uh, but there were others that didn't, and, and that's okay. Because it meant they didn't belong. Uh, and, and let me give you an example of one such letter called the Gospel of Thomas. So the Gospel of Thomas was written at the end of the second century. So a good hundred years minimum after the last apostle would have died. And it, it, it contains uh, some doozies. So this is the last verse from the Gospel of Thomas. Simon Peter said to him, to Jesus, Let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. And Jesus said, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Yikes, right? Many things wrong with that, am I right? Uh, very inconsistent with how scripture speaks about women, about our, our, our bodies in general, resurrection bodies, and a host of other things. No, I'm not saying that every, if you were to read through the whole Gospel of Thomas, that, that every word is like crazy ridiculous like this. But this is a consistent pattern. In it. And so the council would have looked at that and said, yeah, that ain't consistent. Bye. And so my point simply is this. The things that are not included in the New Testament should not be included in the New Testament. And if you're still worried about it, you think, well, maybe the council could have made a mistake. Just remember that the God who is powerful enough to create and sustain the world, inspire scripture, is capable of preserving it. So now let's circle back to, to the real issue. Can we trust the Bible? <laughs> or, or as one who has been against the Bible for a very long time once asked, did God, did God really say this? And you can see the logic, right? If God didn't really say this, if this isn't God's inspired word, then it's merely a suggestion, and you can take it or leave it. Uh, It's like if I were to get an email from Pastor Austin asking me to go out and buy $500 worth of iTunes gift cards for the staff uh, and not tell anyone about it. Now, if Austin really asked me to do that, he's my boss. I would do so. (laughs) But if on closer reflection, I realize that it, isn't his email, and and that he sent it at the exact same time that I was meeting with him in person, then I would probably conclude he's an imposter, and that I would rightfully ignore his command, right? If God didn't really say this stuff, we can just blow it off. But the reverse is also true, right? If the Bible 
says something, and it is, in fact, God's inspired word, which is the case that I've been making tonight. That means that it has ultimate authority in our lives. It's not just a book, but something God uses to shape and equip us for every good work. And so the question for each of us to answer is this. Do we accept and believe that the Bible is God's written word and revealed will? If so, it has to change our lives. For some of us, that means that we need to take what it says seriously. This is not advice. This is not a self-help manual. These are decrees from the king and descriptors of how we are to live out our identity in Christ. And others of us simply have to take it in, right? We need to actually carve out the time to read and stew on scripture. And if you've never read through the Bible before, can I encourage you to grab a couple of people and do so? Uh, I personally would recommend using the Read Scripture out app that's put out by Crazy Love Ministries uh, because not only do they give you a Bible reading plan, they actually pull in a lot of helpful videos that help you understand uh, how the Bible is put together and the different themes we see throughout it. Regardless of what you use, being in God's Word is important because it is His Word. And so when we open the Bible, do we have God's Word? Yes. Absolutely, 100% yes. The real question is this, what are we going to do with his words? <laughs>